the crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. What if one moment could change the course of your entire business? That moment happened to Mike Brown, founder of Death Wish Coffee. It came in the form of a free Super Bowl ad from Intuit. In today's episode, we'll hear about what that Super Bowl ad meant to his business, how he won it, and how his life has changed as a result. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and this is The Growth Show. Okay, Mike, thank you so much for coming on The Growth Show. We're really excited to have you. Um, I want to start off in a little bit of an unorthodox way. I want to talk not about Death Wish, but about your customers, or should I say raving, raving lunatic fans. Um, I was researching you guys a little bit, and I just want to read a couple of sound bites that are coming straight off of the Amazon reviews from some of your customers. Uh, one customer said, this should be listed as a performance-enhancing drug. Another said, I am currently speed walking the equator. I'm on my 20th lap, started four days ago. Um, and then somebody finally said, Death Wish makes me tolerable to my family, neighbors, supervisors, and strangers. Thank you, Death Wish, for saving my marriage and keeping me out of prison. How do you explain fandom like that? Uh, tell me a little bit about the personality of your customers. Well, yeah, first off, we're really lucky to have customers like that. Not only do they really enjoy the product, but they are vocal about it, and they tell their friends, they tell their family, and they tell the world. We are right at the cusp of something huge. We are at a crossroads, and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. What if one moment could change the course of your entire business? That moment happened to Mike Brown, founder of Death Wish Coffee. It came in the form of a free Super Bowl ad from Intuit. In today's episode, we'll hear about what that Super Bowl ad meant to his business, how he won it, and how his life has changed as a result. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and this is The Growth Show. Okay, Mike, thank you so much for coming on The Growth Show. We're really excited to have you. Um, I want to start off in a little bit of an unorthodox way. I want to talk not about Death Wish, but about your customers, or should I say raving, raving lunatic fans. Um, I was researching you guys a little bit, and I just want to read a couple of sound bites that are coming straight off of the Amazon reviews from some of your customers. Uh, one customer said, this should be listed as a performance-enhancing drug. Another said, I am currently speed walking the equator. I'm on my 20th lap, started four days ago. Um, and then somebody finally said, Death Wish makes me tolerable to my family, neighbors, supervisors, and strangers. Thank you, Death Wish, for saving my marriage and keeping me out of prison. How do you explain fandom like that? Uh, tell me a little bit about the personality of your customers. Well, yeah, first off, we're really lucky to have customers like that. Not only do they really enjoy the product, but they are vocal about it, and they tell their friends, they tell their family, and they tell the world. Um, 
And how that happened, I I really don't know 100% how it happened. Uh, I think we have a fun product, which attracts fun, creative people. Um, and we try hard to deliver them the most value and on top of that, make sure they're satisfied in every every level along the uh, the buying process. I'm actually the number one value at Deathwish Coffee is customer satisfaction. So we do just about anything and everything to make sure the customer's happy. Um, and it's resulted in fans that write reviews like that. We have a handful of fans that have Deathwish Coffee tattoos on their body. You're yeah. going to be there for a life. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Unbelievable. We usually give them a, a lifetime discount when that happens. Um, yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, we're really blessed and we're super, you know, super excited to have fans like that. It makes, makes my job fun. And those reviews, um, I think they've come in over the last couple of years, but those are kind of the some of the best of the best on that infographic you're looking at. But that's stuff that we see daily and it really keeps my staff motivated. Do you think it's a reflection of the personality of your staff itself? Yeah, it's funny. If you go and you look at everyone on the Death Wish community page, they look very similar to my staff. We're very, we're, um, most of us have a bunch of tattoos, um, kind of a laid back atmosphere over here. We're real creative and yeah, they're it's very similar. You know, the, the, the type of customer we attract are, are very similar to, to our the way we are every day. That's awesome. That's very cool. Uh, so, okay, let's back up and we dove right into your customers, but tell me about Deathwish itself. Uh, what was the gap you were trying to fill in the market? Why did you start it? Uh, what's Deathwish all about? So I had a coffee shop in Saratoga Springs, New York for, well, since 2008. Um, things weren't going so great. They weren't going bad, but, you know, what really wasn't, I wasn't a success. I think I was more a failure in, in, in that type of business model. Um, money was just pouring out the door. So I decided to start selling coffee online. But before I could before I could do that, I needed a product. So I, I was listening to what my customers were asking me for every day. And they were like, Mike, give me a cup of your strongest coffee. Give me a cup of your strongest coffee. So I went on Google. And I was like, well, what is the strongest coffee out there? Um, and I Googled, you know, world's strongest coffee. Nothing popped up, um, at least nothing nothing at the time that was stronger than I could make myself. So I went on, um, I talked to some roasters, I talked to some coffee importers, did my research, and, you know, find out what, what the co- strongest coffee beans were in the world, where to get them, how to get them, um, and put together my own blend. Um, and then I started marketing online. Um, I made my own website, and it was pretty crappy at the time, but, <laughs> um, you know, I took a chance, put it out there. Um, based on what my customers in the store were saying. Um, I actually had them try it before I even released it online to make sure they liked it, and and they thought it was great. I started getting some good reviews online, and that kind of snowballed into more sales and more sales. And At that point, I started taking the online online approach a little bit more seriously and kind of – I I, I hired a manager to run the coffee shop, so um, and I really focused on the online – uh, coffee sales and yeah since then it's kind of taken off and I guess the, the rest is kind of history <laughs> it's just kind of been snowballing since then so if you google world's strongest coffee today does death wish show up 
It, it should. They're better. Yeah, right? <laughs> I always wonder. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing how many businesses, really genius businesses, I feel like started with just a random 2 a.m. Google search to see if something Google existed. Search, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and this, this, is, this is a while ago. This was back in almost well, 2011 is when I did this, did that Google search. And from that point on, just consistently you know, trying to put forth the best product and, and doing my, you know, my own online marketing strategies. Um, you, know, you know, it's paid off, it's paid off right now. So that's actually a good pivot into talking a little bit about where a number of people first discovered you, which is the Super Bowl commercial that you won through an Intuit contest. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that whole process and what happened, what made you decide to go after it? Uh, what was that like? Yeah, so Intuit... They hold their small business big game competition. In 2013, a company called Goldie Blocks won. And this is a company that makes engineering toys for small children. Yeah. Um, they won. I actually filed that competition pretty closely, but I didn't enter it. Um, but, I, you know, I saw the Super Bowl commercial and I was like, wow, what an incredible opportunity that is for a small, a small business. And it's funny at the time I saw that, I mean, I had talked to my team and I'm like, guys, we need to get this Super Bowl commercial. If they do this competition again, we have to win this. Um, like, so in, in our realm, uh, we needed to grow our brand. So two years later, um, 2015 in June, I saw a Facebook ad for the competition come across, come through my newsfeed and I was like, all right, it's here, guys. I'm like, let's sign up and try to win this. And I had to get the public to vote for Death Wish Coffee. Uh, I had the, I wouldn't say, it wasn't for the best small business. It's for, you had to vote for the business that you would want to represent all of small businesses in the the big game, in the Super Bowl. So So when you're uh, putting together that ad, what was, what went into your thinking for the creative for that ad? Um. Luckily, Intuit has a lot of resources, and we're able to, you know, bring in a creative agency. And they pitched me three ideas. Um, one was kind of like a, a basic coffee commercial. A person wakes up, they're real groggy in the morning, they drink coffee, they're awake. Um, the other one was a person sitting at their desk. Their boss comes over, drops a load of work on their desk, and they have to work late in the night, and then they pick up their cup of coffee. And, you know, those two were like, eh, I, I just, I feel like I've seen those commercials, or they don't seem they don't seem very interesting to me. Um, and then they pitched me the idea of a Viking ship uh, sailing on the stormy seas off to their last battle. And as they're rowing, they go over this waterfall to their final to their final, I guess, resting place. And as they're falling to their death, it it pans away, and it turns out it's just this guy drinking his morning cup of coffee. And kind of stood for like the man drinking his better, more exciting self before he starts his day, and, and that really hit home with, you know, with my well for me because I feel like that's what my brand's all about. Like we really, you know, our purpose in the morning is to you know, create the, the the best product we can to um, fuel people's passions and to fuel their day. Um, so, you know, they showed me those three ideas and they let me. They gave me 24 hours to think about it, and I actually had a 24 that hours, night I had wow. a dream. I, yeah, I had a dream about that Viking ship. Um, <laughs> so I woke up in the morning. I was like, oh, wow, I can't believe I dreamt about that. I'm like, this, this is definitely the one I'm going to go for. And it, and it turned out better than expected. Clear winner, absolutely. So, okay, I'll be honest. 
filing to enter into a contest to win a Super Bowl commercial while you're building a business from the ground up feels like a bit of a moonshot. How did you decide, you know, how to balance those two things and how much time to put into this, you know, risky and and probably low odds uh, dream of getting the Super Bowl commercial and how much time to put into just the day to day of, of your business? Um, yeah, no, that's a good question. We we actually thought the return there, it was a $4 million commercial spot, plus the production of the commercial probably cost over a million dollars. Um, we didn't put a ton of effort into it. Basically, it was just me and my mark and the head of my marketing. Um, we sent out a couple emails to our customer base, asked them to go there, vote for us, talk to our friends and family. Um, as soon as we were notified that we were in the top 10 out of 15,000 businesses for a $5 million prize. That's when the game really changed for us. That's when we went from spending and maybe, maybe an hour a day between us all to eight hours a day. Each of us, uh, I mean, I had a small team at the time. There's only 11 of us, but we were all working on this full time. Um, some people eight hours a day. I mean, I was doing, I was working on getting votes and sending people to our link and doing everything I could possibly think of to send people to our voting link to try to win this $5 million prize. It became an obsession. And, right. uh, it wasn't, it's was kind of, it was one of those things where it didn't matter how hard you try, you couldn't see the vote. So there was no tracking on the voting, so we couldn't see if we were winning or not. We just kind of had to guess. <laughs> What we were able to see is we were able to see um, Facebook shares on people's voting links. So we kind of used that as a gauge of, hey, if our voting link has more Facebook shares than this team's voting link or this business's voting link, then, you know, they must be winning or we must be winning. Yeah. So we, we used that as a gauge. Um, and that didn't look like it was going in our favor for most of the competition. So we really it kind of got us going harder and my team's very competitive and very passionate. So yeah, we, I mean, we, we pulled it out in the end. <laughs> 11 people to pull that off is, is incredible. So, okay. So tell me about the day that you found out you won. Who'd you call first? What did it feel like? Well, they announced that we were in the top three and they said they were going to go to the business owner, the business owners, uh, houses of the top three finishers. So, they came to my house in the morning. They, they shut the video around, talked to me about, you know, the whole competition and basically, you know, the, the emotion that was going into it and how we were getting votes and, and all this stuff. And, but they, they hadn't told us we won yet. So we came back up to my office, my place of business, and my team was there. They got my team together and um, they were setting up to shoot some video, some more video. And they said, Michael, uh, did you get your check in the mail yet? And I said, uh, no, I didn't get my check in the mail yet. So the second and third place runners up, they got checks in the mail. Hmm. Uh, so I was like, oh, man, my whole team heard it. And I just watched, like, the life go out of their face because they're, they knew, they knew I mean, we knew all the rules of the contest. We, we really studied up to, to know exactly what was supposed to happen. And we're like, wow, if we're getting a check, we definitely didn't win a Super Bowl commercial. So we all got kind of like, I wouldn't say upset, but. We were kind of bummed, and I was like, "Hey guys, just you know, put your smiley faces on for the rest of the day. Let's, you know, show them we're a good sport, and and kind of go through the motions here with the video." Um, so they set up the video stuff. They brought us in the other room, um, started interviewing me again. And during the interview process, they 
um, said, what would, what would we, what would you say if we told you you were the winner of the small business big game competition? And I'm like, this woman, this woman must be really messing with me right now. Cause I just heard her in the other room tell us that we weren't the winner. So I'm like, I'd say you're probably messing with me right now. And, <laughs> and she, uh, she's like, no, she's like, you're the winner. And then, yeah, we had a big party. Um, Wait, what did you say? Do you remember what you said? I, I, I do remember. I actually have it on video somewhere. It's um, like that moment I, when someone proposes to you and you can't actually remember what words yeah. came out of your mouth. But I'm glad my you have memory, it on video. My memory, yeah, my memory is the video. Yeah, I just, my like hands hit my knees and I teared up and I was just, I just said, wow. And my team ran in and we all hugged and embraced and, and we popped bottles of champagne and drank those and um, yeah, I'm pretty, I think we all cried. We actually all cried when we won. It was very emotional. <laughs> I can imagine it's a close-knit team like that. Now, did you have the biggest Super Bowl party ever? We did. We had a – I had, like, the most glamorous Super Bowl party I've ever even seen. Um, into it flew us out to San Francisco and put us in this penthouse at the top – right at the top of the city overlooking San Francisco Bay and – they pulled out all the stuff. They brought in them um, games, like 20 flat screen televisions, a whole food spread, full bar. Wow. Um, yeah, basically everything you can possibly imagine for a, a, for a football party. And not only that, but they set, helped us set up uh, this war room because we're an online company. So once that Super Bowl commercial went live, we knew our, we knew our website was going to start getting hit, hit with a lot of uh, traffic. So we had a war room set up, um, and we were there watching our analytics, watching our numbers on the, you know, check, making sure our website didn't crash. Right. It was, it was pretty intense. It was intense. Yeah, no, I think that's the other thing I'm really fascinated about is how did your team handle the immediate influx of orders that you saw, and, you know, how do you project for, for what that will do for your business in the long run? So the projection part was difficult. There's no case studies or any, there weren't any case studies or anything about how an online company would, a small online company for that matter, would, um, how, how sales would, would jump from a Super Bowl commercial. So I kind of used what data I could find. I, you know, I knew there was, uh, back in 2013, we were on Good Morning America, mm-hmm. and we, we could see how much traffic hit our site from the Good Morning America exposure. And we could find the data on how many people watch Good Morning America in the morning. And I could, and then I looked to see how many people watch the Super Bowl. Um, kind of just extended that out. I tried to have some type of projection. Yeah. And Did you, know, you run out of supply? It wasn't, it wasn't that far off. No, we didn't run out of supply. Um, but luckily, we had uh, about a month. No, we had two months to prepare from the time we found out that we won the Super Bowl commercial to the actual release commercial release so i drew out some scenarios basically from every part of my business from shipping and receiving from production customer service um marketing basically everything you think of you know i drew out you know best case scenario worst case scenario probable scenarios and how to respond at each at each step along the way and, and at each part of the business so, so we were pretty prepared by the time the super bowl got here thank god and it went off pretty seamless I, and there was no there was no giant issues. We didn't run out of coffee. We stayed stayed live on all of our selling platforms. Um, 
I guess the only the only hiccup, and I wouldn't even call it a hiccup, is you know after we got back from San Francisco, um, and we were ready to start you know a regular course of business. Um, we did have to hire some more people on for production, and you know we're still hiring now because even you know even as the business leveled out from after the Super Bowl create, you know we're still able to uh, maintain a lot of those relationships and a lot of those customers that we gained. Um, during the big game. How long did it take for business to even out after the Super Bowl spike? Um, actually, I don't even know if it's evened out yet, to tell you the truth. It's, it's still going pretty good. That's great. Um, yeah, we were on a pretty aggressive retargeting campaign. So every, every, all that traffic that hit our site right after the Super Bowl, you know, they've been retargeted since then. Um, and we've ramped up a little bit on our marketing side and um, also on a customer service side, we really want to make sure our customers are taken care of. So luckily, I think word of mouth is, you know, the best type of advertising you can get. We've been getting tons of word of mouth from, you know, our new customers and our old customers, um, which is kind of helping the business keep growing, even though you know, the Super Bowl is over. But it's leveled out probably about three or four times uh, the revenue as before the Super Bowl. That's really that interesting. Yeah, three or four times. Yeah, so I mean, basically run a business that's four times, the quadrupled in size um, while the Super Bowl. From a single commercial. Going. So, From a single commercial. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. And it's, I went to go see uh, Gary Vaynerchuk speak not that long ago, and he's like, he was saying how he thinks that a Super Bowl commercial is still one of the biggest bargains, even though it's so expensive. And I 100% agree with him at this point. Uh, I think it is a bargain, even at five million dollars, and, and a free commercial is even a better bargain. But I think <laughs> yeah, all the better, right? <laughs> right. But um, in terms of like return on investment, I still think there's a lot of value there with a the Super commercial, even for a small business too. Yeah. So okay, so let's, it, right? let's talk about today. So that's behind you. I think the odds of you winning two Super Bowl commercials is probably pretty low. Uh, so how do you view <laughs> success now? It's funny. I was I talk. I have a business coach who I talk to all the time, um, about once a week. And this is some things. This is, this is one of the questions we were battling with this week. Like, what is what is success now? Because I mean, for a long time, my vision of success was to not be a failure and to not be poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, with the start of Deathwish Coffee and you know, how it was doing, even before the Super Bowl commercial, you know, I was, was kind of there. So. Now it's kind of what's the new level of success. Um, one, thing that, one thing I've always talked about with my team and, and thought myself is um, one of our goals is to be an iconic brand. Um, that's, we want to be the next Coca-Cola, the next Red Bull, the next Pepsi, the next Lego. Um, and, and how do you get there? Um, yeah, we got a Super Bowl commercial. That's great. That's a great first step. Um, but now it's continually grow the brand. And to do that, you have to continually provide the most value and the most satisfaction to the to your customers and almost be more than uh yeah more than a brand to the customers almost like a way of life so, so how do we how do we make that transition and these are all questions that i talk to my team at, at every meeting um and even this morning during our two-hour meeting 30 minutes of that was a rant uh, of mine where i was talking about you know having a purpose of coming to work more than just collecting a paycheck but to um, to realize that the stuff we're doing every day is actually really affecting people's lives and people's identities, and they're really 
getting behind our brand and it's you know i say fuel fuel people's passion and it might sound corny but no we're really we are really fueling people's passion in the morning like they have that cup of coffee before they go to work um or before they go do what they love every day and it's it's powerful stuff and i tried to get them to realize that and i try to get myself to i try to remind myself that and i think if we continue to do that and continue to put forth that passion towards our customers um then we'll get there did you ever envision this to be your future? Did you ever see getting to this point where you are now? Well, before I, before I got into coffee, I was an accountant for the state, and it was a 100% different lifestyle than I'm living right now. You were an accountant? So, yeah, I was an account, a state accountant. Wow. Uh, I worked in the New York State Comptroller's Office. and It was a desk job. I reconciled bank accounts. and um, Besides that, I, I actually had a cool program. I actually sent out refund checks to people, so I just gave away money all day, the state's money, which was a lot of fun. So maybe Sometimes. it's but, karma that, that landed you with that Super Bowl win. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But when, when I quit that one day, one of the, my employees, you know, he's like, Mike, uh, you'll be back. They always come back. And I kind of used that as motivation. Um, when I was, you know, starting my own business, be like, oh, I can't, can't fail because if I go back, I'm gonna have to look that guy in the eye and tell him he was right. Um, so, did I ever see myself having a Super Bowl commercial and, and being here? No, not really. But I was going to spend my last dollar and go through every means necessary to, you know, make to make make sure I at least give it my best shot to have a successful business. You knew you weren't going backwards. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So you've got way more people paying attention now. Uh, how has this changed your fan base, if at all? Uh, my fan base is still super passionate. They're growing a little bit, which is good. And not only that, they're, I don't know. I, I think we're just real blessed with a really good fan base because they're, they're not a fan base that, you know, there was, there was the fans there before, um, and now there's new fans coming in, and they're not the type of people who are, I don't know, that want to keep others away or keep others out of the fun. They're very welcoming. You know, they welcome in all newcomers with open arms, and um, which, is, which is great because, it, you know, it helps our community keep growing. And, and to have a community that wants to grow is, I think, that's the biggest part. Um, if I had a community that just wanted to keep their core group together, you know, that could limit you know, the success of uh, basically everything they stand for. But since they're so welcoming and, and they want to grow, like that really helps, you know, my business. It's interesting to hear you talk about the community and the investment that you put into customer service and talk about your customers so much and the, and the brand and really wanting to be an iconic brand, particularly because as companies grow, there are always those kind of copycats that pop up people who try to mimic your brand and mimic what you have and death wish has certainly had no shortage of that can you tell me yeah. about you know how that makes you feel as you're building the business do you worry about those copycats or do you feel like you have something unique enough to uh withstand i mean yeah definitely i think our products are unique uh every one of these copycat products that pop up i'll go out and i'll buy a bag and i'll try it and i'll make sure that my product you know, is, is, is better than theirs. Um, luckily, you know, we're able to get the, we get the best coffee, we roast on the best equipment, we put in the best packaging, and we have the best roasters. So, so I, I mean, our, our products, top notch. It, I think it's hard for people to um, 
copy that product without, you know, a very large investment. Um, but at the same time, my, my customer base is so, um, strong right now and prevalent online that when these copycat companies do pop up, they, um, they're, they're not quiet about it. Um, they'll, they, they'll harass these companies and tell them they're, um, copycats, um, until basically they, they, they try to do something else, which, which is, which is good. You know, it keeps me from having to take legal action. Right. Um, what, you know, when my customers will just go on and just basically, basically tell them, Hey, this is obviously you're just copying what Deathwish coffee company is trying to do. So, uh, take a hike and they've been, they've been pretty successful at it. Is that an, or do you intentionally invest in brand and in customer happiness as a defensive play that way? Or does that just happen organically? Yeah, that just happened organically. Um, it was, yeah, I'm super lucky to have that happen because, you know, I've heard, I mean, I've been speaking, I've other business owners who are friends, other friends who are business owners, I should say. Um, yeah, and they've had to deal with a lot of imitation products coming out of China and stuff. And it's a battle for them, even if, even if they have a strong brand. So the fact that my customer base steps up for me and protects, goes out of their way to protect the brand the way they do. Yeah. It's, I didn't do it on a purpose, but I'm happy it's happening. <laughs> nice. Uh, I want to talk about your role a little bit and how that has changed in all of this. Um, so when I started, I was a coffee shop owner <laughs> um, and we started running my business out of the basement of my coffee shop. And I was still running the day-to-day of the day-to-day operations of the coffee shop, which apparently I wasn't very good at, anyways, because I wasn't making much money, if if any. Um, you know, when you start out a business, you do every single role that the business has. Um, I was picking up the boxing tape, bagging up the coffee, putting it in bags, putting it in the box, shipping it out, putting the labels on. Um, and I'm sure every business owner out there who has an e-commerce company has done the same thing. You're just sending out boxes day after day and running back and forth to the post office until you get big enough where the post office starts coming to you. Um, and then I started, you know, after that Good Morning America piece hit, I didn't know what to do because I was way, way behind. So mm-hmm. I started bringing in customers and coffee shop employees to help me out with my online business. And luckily, and friends as well, luckily, uh, four of those people stayed with me. But even after the Super Bowl commercial went off, I, you know, I, I keep letting go of a lot of the day-to-day stuff I used to do. And now I'm kind of trying to focus on the bigger picture. And I think that's been the most challenging thing for me because, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes I'm like, I would feel much more fulfilled if I sent out a hundred bags of coffee, but instead I was, uh, I don't know, online researching, you know, the new trends in the coffee market. I know, you know, that research and keeping my customers happy is, is more beneficial in the long term, but boy, it's for, it's fulfilling to send out, you know, a bunch of coffee and be like, Hey, I did X, Y, Z today. And you have a very concrete definition of what you did instead of, Hey, I talked to these people. I built some relationships. I maintained some relationships. It's, it's a very different, very different role. And you know, I'm, I'm not very, uh, I haven't always been a very, comfortable, you know, people person. Uh, I've got a little bit better while working behind the counter in the coffee shop. Um, and now I feel like that's all I do. But yeah. in, when I started the online business, I was kind of expecting to be in front of the computer a lot more, <laughs> which I'm kind of comfortable in front of the c- computer. But 
I, now that I'm kind of doing these interviews every now and again, it's, it's kind of gotten me out of my comfort zone. All right, so I'm going to put you to work a little bit in talking about that, those big picture plans. What do you think Death Wish Coffee will look like in 10 years? I'm not sure what type of markets we're going to move into in 10 years in terms of uh, like right now we're starting to move into grocery stores. We've been uh, pretty much 90% online hmm. uh, up until this year. This year we're kind of starting to make the moves into grocery stores. We're in about 150, um, but we could potentially be moving into 3,000 more within by the end of the year if my meetings go well in the next couple of months. So. <laughs> We're probably going to move into a bunch of grocery stores. And then our business model has never been cafes, um, nor is it on, on the plan, on, you know, being planned. But in 10 years, you know, things could change a lot. So um, that is also a possibility. Certainly. Uh, we are moving into the beverage ready. Uh, we're actually moving into a canned product. We just canned our first first round of Death Wish Nitro Cold Brews. Um, but yeah, that should be released in the next couple of years. And hopefully we're going to get that out and just distributed uh, across America and, and possibly internationally. Uh, we are selling internationally right now through our Amazon networks. But we really like to focus a bit more on moving into international uh, markets and channels other than Amazon. So, Yeah, it's exciting. So, okay, so final question for you. What about for you personally? Is there a point at which you'll hang this up where you'll decide it's time to retire or maybe you get a second wind and want to be an accountant again? Um, <laughs> what, what do you think uh, the future holds for you personally? I'm only 35, so I'm probably not going to retire. And I have a lot of fun. Like I said, I have these people that work with me, for me. Um, they're not my employees. They're part of my team and they're my friends. I spend the most time you know, with these guys than I do with anyone else. Um, and we have a lot of fun together. And we're able to experience the craziest experiences together. Um, even this weekend, you know, it turns out that the person I went to go see in concert was friends with all these nice NASCAR drivers. So I got to hang out in the NASCAR pits and go on the track before the race and do the or not do the national anthem, but you know, stand on the track for the national anthem and. It was the craziest experience ever. So it's these experiences and the fun I'm having. I don't. I don't think I'll retire. Um, but you know, I see a lot of growth and a lot of promise in our future, and and I'm totally committed to the brand and my team is too, and they're committed. They're committed to working with me. So as long as we're having fun, and as long as our customers are excited and like what we're doing, or keep giving us the positive feedback. I don't see us stopping any anytime soon. Great. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Congratulations, Mike, on all the success. And thank you so much for joining us on The Growth Show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. Do you know someone who should be listening to The Growth Show? Refer a friend to subscribe to this podcast and you could be featured in an upcoming episode. Ask your friends to subscribe to the show and then head over to bit.ly slash TGS refer a friend to give you credit for the referral. If you refer five friends to subscribe to the show, you'll get a shout out on our weekly email newsletter. Give us 10 and I'll give you a shout out on our next episode. 20 and you'll get a featured segment on the next episode. 
And if you refer 100 friends, you get the entire episode to yourself. Tell your friends, subscribe to The Growth Show in their favorite podcast app. Then head over to bit.ly slash TGS refer a friend to make you famous.